where where do we find God and how do we find God how do we find God in a time where perhaps the leadership of our church or people that we looked up to have failed us how do we honor him in our lives this is what we're going to talk about today Welcome to Trust is My Home, a weekly podcast about living a covenant of trust with the Father. From Loretto House here in Austin, Texas to your own home, this podcast seeks to lay down and enflesh the foundation of trust that becomes the true rock on which to build a home. Each week we will talk about realigning our lives toward the Father. What does it mean to trust Him? If God is a good father, and we believe that, how does that change the way we live our lives? We'll dig deep into the hidden treasures of the hearts of mothers and fathers who are choosing to live radical trust in God, and speak honestly about the challenges and the testimonies that come from such a life. This is a podcast from this home to your homes, meant to reach into the sometimes lonely struggles to weave encouragement, joy, and community into your day. So whether you're driving, cleaning, folding, or just stopping to listen, welcome to Trust is My Home. Here we are in a time where on the news, on the news, on the news, <laughs> we are hearing and, and all the different varieties of ways we receive news. We are kind of having this constant refrain of kind of disappointment in, 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 in leaders and people that we expected more of. And this can start at the, I guess start at the church level to the, you know, leadership and government level to your school level to your family level, like all the way down. And this can have this effect on, on our relationship with God because we receive God in several ways, right? We receive God in an objective way through the sacraments and through that public worship, God himself promises to be present and we can receive him. But in even, especially within the Catholic Church, we receive him through mediators, through those who, and, and not even, I mean, in all of salvation, God is received through others. It's tricky though, right? It's tricky because um, even though that's true, each of us receives God individually. And so today, I just want to recognize that we're in a place and a time where I believe God is really calling each of us individually to take personal responsibility. And maybe responsibility isn't the best word, but like to stand in our own voice to stand in our own position before God, to stand before God alone. And when I say that, I don't mean that God is not a God of church, you know, communion, of uh, there is not just me and Jesus forever and it's just the two of us and stay out of our relationship. Our relationship with God has effects outside of us. And usually the first way we come to God 
is through others, through the witness, the teaching, and the preaching of others, and through the disp- you know the dispensing of the sacraments by priests, um, through the ministry and praying with others. This is how we first can come co- come into contact with God. But God is jealous for our hearts, and He has a relationship that's so individual with each one of us. And I think the time we're in, he's asking us, even in a deeper way, to have that relationship with him, to trust our relationship with Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, how many of us gauge our kind of like how we're doing in our spiritual life, in our faith life, um, on kind of external, um, external, like, okay, well, I'm going to Mass every Sunday. I try to go to confession as often as possible. I'm in a Bible study. Uh, I, I'm a Eucharistic minister. Um, you know, these external kind of actions are indicators, I guess, of our good relationship with God. But right now, we're watching like a purification and a breakdown of kind of what is an appearance and what is reality. And there is a corruptions that are being exposed kind of in the body of Christ. People that are externally looking like, yep, they're right on track, but living maybe a double life. And the point of this podcast isn't to, to be upset, enraged, you know, bitter about hypocrisy and duplicity. It's about what is our response then when kind of when we are living in a Catholic Christian culture and we have this, you know, these means of coming to God and then we see the breakdown in those means, how do we secure how do we secure ourselves in a time of insecurity? How do we trust in a time where trust is really hard to come by? We do that by taking that our own journey kind of in the desert to to find Christ, to find Christ in our life, to find our own love language with God. And to reverence the places that he comes to us that might not be the same way that he comes to other people. And to allow ourselves to be surprised by the way he can come to us. And it might not be like the Instagram post that our friend posted. Um, so there's like a popular movement of coming to God, like, oh, wow, here's this worship song we all love, or here's this thing, and everyone's talking about it. But in the silent, quiet place of your heart, or in your home, or in your car, how do you encounter God alone? Because if that place is not secured in this time, the ground under your feet will shake. So in Christian culture and in, um, in Christianity, we have both the individual relationship and the communal relationship. And the communal relationship is called to feed into the individual relationship we have with God. So we've had a lot in the past of a lot of group or, you know, group and kind of, um, that's, we're all listening to this song, we're all going to this thing. 
But are we reverencing the incarnations in our own life, the places where Jesus is making himself known, he's making himself flesh in our life? And so often those places are places of suffering. Think about it. Think about people in your life that you have walked through suffering with. Isn't there some kind of um, like intimacy you have with them? So, you know, you watch the Band of Brothers. That's like such a, like, you know, these men and they're in the army, they're in the foxhole together and they just like had each other's back, right? So they, they suffered in common. So, because suffering tests like the deepest places in us, you know? And when we suffer and we suffer with another person, it's like we see each other kind of in a level of being naked, right? It's like we see each other stripped down of discomfort. And when you're stripped down, when you're suffering, you know, it's not as easy to be kind. It's not as easy to be virtuous. It's not as easy to do um, kind of some of the things we can do when we're comfortable. And so we see people kind of in who they are in suffering. We meet a part of them that we would not otherwise meet. So it makes perfect sense that God, who is like the one who loved us to his death on the cross, would meet us most intimately in our own sufferings. And I think that this is a time that God is inviting us to suffer what we have suffered so we can truly love what we love. And what does that mean? Each of us have places and moments in our life that contain maybe a tremendous amount of suffering, that suffering that we didn't feel strong enough to go through even. So we're going to put on the shelf for later or close down. And just from conversations I've been having with others in the last two, three weeks, there seems to be a movement of the Holy Spirit of like bringing a lot of those things up. But up for a place of healing. And there's been kind of a movement of the Holy Spirit in the Catholic Church of healing ministries. Um, John Paul II Healing Institute. I mean, there are there are actually many different kind of ministries, but that's kind of the one that's coming to my, to my mind right now. But I feel like right now God is offering us individual invitation to journey with him through our own places where we met the cross and find intimacy with him there and trust his voice there and allow that to be the foundation on which he builds the church in me. See, I can't change the church. I can't change the world. I can't change the president. The kingdom of God in me is what can change. How much do I allow God full access to my heart, to my life, to be fully alive in me? And as Christ is fully alive in me, then there's one more place where his kingdom is reigning. But what we don't often realize, and this has been one of the biggest mistakes made in a lot of religious circles, is we don't take into account our humanity. And so we have in our lives, each of us, places where, you know what? It wasn't always so great. And it's unpleasant. And so we could be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I won't talk about that. And maybe we don't need to talk about it. But God wants to touch it. God wants to heal it. It's kind of like um, when things grow 
the wrong direction. Like if we just, any place that you've closed down in your heart um, from feeling sadness or suffering, and you've also closed down in your heart an ability to receive fully, to receive love and goodness. So those places and impressions in our heart, you know, where we have been hurt, where our heart has been broken, if we don't allow the full process of that to happen, that's a place where God cannot come with his cross. Because his, his like offering his life on the cross for us, it's enough, enough to touch every wound. And that hurts. And I, I speak out of experience. Um, it's easier to stand on the edge of it and not to fully engage and to kind of numb than it is to encounter those places. But I truly believe that God is calling us to find him and honor him in the places in our life that maybe we have been avoiding. Because when we do that, we are, it's like we're, our foundation in him becomes stronger and stronger. And then the disappointments of others cannot take away my faith. If my faith is based on this priest that I thought is really holy and this sister and this experience and that thing that I went on to retreat to and this person that talked to me and it's not something that's inside of me from the inside. When this priest falls because he's human, when that whatever experience, you know, falls apart because some kind of institutional problem, as those things fall, my faith can be lost. I can become cynical. Oh, just another place where God failed me. But if I let him come to me in the places where I have hurt the most, where I felt most abandoned, most rejected, most alone, most disappointed, if I allow myself to bring my humanity honestly to Jesus Christ, not over-spiritualizing it, like we don't need to protect Jesus from our hurts. If we are feeling, I don't know, lonely, sad, disappointed, anxious, depressed, and we think we have to hide that in prayer, who do we think God is? If we can't begin our day, you know, like, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with anxiety today, Jesus, or I'm struggling with a feeling of rejection. If we can't bring those places to him in openness, I don't know, is he God? Like if I am, if I'm protecting God from myself, from these, like, I'm actually like basically saying that my human desires of to be loved and to be received and to belong and to, um, be with friends that they aren't, there's some kind of deviation from what he would desire. And that's not true. God actually created man. You know, like we don't have to hide our humanity from God. He's very aware. He's also very aware that we have concupiscence, that we have a tendency towards sin, that we have a tendency to try to fix our problems on our own, that we have a tendency to, to like be self-sufficient and not, and to shield ourselves from being hurt. And maybe we're in a place where we have been hurt and disappointed and we think that we cannot reach God because of where we are sitting. And I would just posit that all you have to bring to God is yourself. 
And maybe it would be the first time you actually brought your full self to God. What is God more interested in? The fact that you dressed up very nicely, you went to mass, you knelt properly, you did everything externally, or the fact that you're stripped down, broken, disappointed, and you're crying out to him. Which one do you think is God, like, is God more interested in? He does not care about looks. And yes, we honor him. We honor him by bringing the best of ourselves, but we honor him by bringing the worst of ourselves. When I bring the worst of myself to God, I am giving him the ultimate gift of trust. Like, God, I trust you with my nakedness. Unlike Adam and Eve, who are still hiding behind the bush, I'm going to step out of the bush. No fig, no fig leaf. Here I am. Like, this is me. And, you know, because I left you, yeah, I can't do this on my own. So if we, like, you know, begin this, this new year and in the places where God is maybe stirring things up and, in, and showing us places of disappointment and showing us places of hurt or showing us places where maybe we could find him before we can't find him because the humans in that area have failed. How do we get back to God in a time of so much upheaval? We get back to God through our own hearts because that's all he was interested in anyway. You know, we make mistakes like this often. Um, You know, I have a friend who's, you know, they went through this kind of difficult time and, um, and through this period, this friend was kind of becoming more and more distant. And the distance happened because this person believed that they could not um, show what was actually happening in their heart. It's kind of like when we're we try to we're trying to protect somebody from what we're really going through. So we put on like the happy face, the everything's great face, and it's all wonderful. But and we think that's gonna make things easier and better, and everyone's it's gonna go along if we just you know put your chin up, you know, just like in the southern, you know, chin up, keep going, you know, don't act like you're suffering, just soldier on. When we do that. We might not realize it, but we're actually taking away from communion. We're, we're stopping the ability for somebody to receive us. And for, for you know, ourselves to, to kind of receive others. So when we close off our hearts, we start entering into a world of kind of deception without even realizing it's so subtle it's so subtle like we think okay everything's good because I maybe I can't like encounter the suffering right now and the the key is to really be honest at least with God I mean if you can't be honest with your husband your wife your friends be honest with the Lord where you are he will always honor that if you can honor him enough to show him where you are but the moment we start hiding even places where we have suffered, places where we've been hurt, because, well, we're not supposed to be hurt. And you know what? 
feeling rejected makes you look pathetic. So you aren't feeling rejected. Like denying what we're actually feeling because it doesn't fit. It doesn't look good. It's not, it doesn't make us strong like we want to be. So we're just going to pretend it didn't happen. That is the pathway towards corruption. Because you start getting into a habit of denying what's actually happening inside of you. And I, and I see this often. And I don't know how that got paired up with the Catholic faith or with like practicing our faith, but I see it very often in spiritual circles. Is that like, okay, this could, like the saints would never do this. So obviously I don't feel this or like nobody would ever feel this. So I don't feel it. Like it's wrong for me to, you know, want friends or it's wrong for me to, um, miss, I don't know, my daughter who entered religious life because she's given herself to God. Like, no, there's actually grieving there that happened. Or, you know, like God honors our sufferings. He honors our human sufferings because he knows our human heart. He knows it more. More torturous than all else is the human heart. Who can understand it? God says, I alone understand the heart. Like I discern what is true in the heart. So when we are hiding our heart from God, And I mean like even places where we're like, well, it's pretty distorted what my heart is feeling right now. If we hide that, who are we protecting? (laughs) Like who are we helping by not showing that to God? No one. And it's time to bring down that lie. Do you know that so much of the corruption and so much of the pain that's happening in the church is because we have failed to honor our humanity and the places in our heart? It doesn't mean that like all things are excused and every, you know, every desire of the human heart is just perfectly all right. But when you actually show your heart to Jesus as it is, he has permission to point out the places that maybe are on deviations from him. But do you know, actually the fundamental desire of every human heart is something that God, like he knows so much about. It's his territory. It's his reign. And if we're so afraid to allow ourselves to know what's in our hearts, we might not get to that fundamental desire. And then we live out of duty and we live out of like showing everybody we're doing well, but man, we're alone and we're empty and we're in pain. And when things start falling, when things start falling apart in society and in the church, what do we have to hold on to? We don't even know ourselves. We're so afraid of what's in our own heart. And oftentimes when we are afraid, of what's in our own heart. That's when we are the ones that are on blogs, judging and criticizing and and wanting to expose errors everywhere else. Because we put so much faith in the other people that are meant to bring us to God that when they fall, the disappointment is just beyond. But if we are kind enough with our own human heart and recognizing that I can bring whatever is in my heart to God, and I, I cannot, like, I cannot order my own heart alone towards what is true, good, and beautiful, towards holiness. Do you think it's your toes, your knees, your hands that are holy? It's your heart. The heart is the beginning, the center, the place where holiness, like, should grow out of to touch every other place. Why are we, why are we, like, going from the external, hoping, hoping that maybe someday I'll meet the inside. And I understand that like with children, we do that. We teach the externals and then it, it, you know, they get into a rhythm and it becomes a habit and becomes a virtue and then it's good. But as adults, 
as mature people, it's time for us to really ask ourselves, you know, instead of just like, okay, I took my family to mass on Sunday and we, oh, we said the rosary. Oh, we checked the boxes. Where are you? And where is God for you? Because that is not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. If we do not know how to give our hearts to Jesus as they are and let him, let him be the one that gives us a new heart. If I have places in my heart that have tendencies towards sin, God is not surprised by that. In fact, he's like, give me your heart. You know, I, I want to be the one that brings your heart towards me and that like that orders your desires. But if we're not even able to touch that place in us because we're afraid of what's in there, we are like empty tombs, you know? Or the whitewashed tombs. Or we're, we're, we might be really great at looking great on the outside, but we are walking dead. And it's just not going to work. So I guess like the question is, if that's true, how do we start? Like, how do we start changing the way that we encounter God and honoring him where we find him in our daily lives? I think we start first by just maybe two or three minutes of silence where we let ourselves first recognize what's in our heart and then invite Jesus into that. I think every person knows moments where all of a sudden it feels like your whole system's shutting down. Maybe it's like a pain that's coming in or, or anxiety or a feeling of discomfort. And we all have methods to shut that process down of allowing ourselves to fully feel that. But what if once a day we stopped and we just stood still and we said, what is my heart feeling? Oh, I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? I'm anxious because um, I have a lot of to do at work today and I feel like um, I'm not going to be able to do everything that I feel responsible for and I'm going to let people down and it really brings anxiety for me to let people down because so much of my worth is about not letting people down. Um, Jesus, can you come into this? And yeah, when we entrust our hearts to God, it's very vulnerable because we're asking somebody outside of ourselves to be the person acting. We're recognizing, I'm not in control. But if we continue as church's family and in, in, in our institutions to base our whole relationship with God only on externals and only on kind of the mediators or those people that are called to give us God like they're the holy ones they teach us we receive we write our notes but we don't have kind of ownership of our own relationship we are setting ourselves up for a deeper fall and I don't mean a fall like a, a you know kind of, I'm not talking about necessarily even a moral fall, 
it's it's a fall that a fall into despair you know um, because we haven't allowed the foundations to be strengthened and I think that we're sometimes afraid of maybe places of sin, not act of sin, but like places of sin or places in our heart that we don't like. Um, kind of like that, those places of darkness in our heart that we wish weren't, weren't there, you know? Um, and so if we don't, you know, look at them, we'll just, and we'll just like focus on these holy things then we will get to God. But what you don't realize is like what is not exposed to the light is a place of darkness. And those places of darkness become places of shame. And those places of shame become free territory for the evil one. And then we become bipolar. We become two people. And there are, there are places in every human heart, there are places of darkness. But God is inviting us to bring those to the light. To be kind enough to bring those places to the light. Maybe it's trauma that you experienced in childhood or maybe it, and it, it's something that is really scary um, and you don't believe that if you, you know, if you even like thought of, if it even allowed it to rise to the surface, it would destroy you and you could never be whole again. You know, if I, if you started crying, you could never stop crying. I don't know. Um, I don't think we have to do any forced, forced actions. I don't think you have to go through um, your life with kind of a fine... <laughs> You know, like like going for lice, like the little fine tooth comb, you know, and find all these places I'm not of, of darkness. I just mean, can we get into the habit of just in our simple day, bringing our heart honestly before God? Maybe it's for a moment and two moments and not just to bring it to accusation. So a lot of us, we might know how to do examination of conscience in some way and we're like, okay, where did I sin? But but kindly, like um, reverencing our humanity and recognizing that this is the humanity that Jesus Christ went to the cross for. And so it is holy. And there's nothing in my heart that's too much for God. It might be too much for me, but it's not too much for God. And if I'm simply honoring those moments, and good moments, good moments too. Um, moments of great joy, moments of any, any moment, you know. If we bring them forward and honor those places day by day, and we just honor the little places where we see Jesus. Maybe it's like we have a favorite bird, <laughs> and we see that bird, and that bird, when it like appears, it just reminds us of that individual love that God has for me or the sunset or just the way that the wind moves the trees whatever it is this is a time right now to 
strengthen and own the voice of God and the relationship with God that is individual to us. And that's the end goal. And as we do that, when we come to worship together, all the more will that worship glorify God. And that is what's so beautiful is that the individual kind of invitation to God to to, to have full reign in, in every area of my heart also strengthens the full body of Christ. And I'm just, I'm looking, um, there's a scripture verse, um, uh, it's about the woman at the well and um, how she ran out into the town and she told everyone what, what Jesus said to her and said he was the Messiah because he said everything and she gave witness. So as she gave witness, there's a really beautiful verse that struck me. Um, uh, he told me all that I ever did. So the Samaritans came to him. They asked him to stay with them. So that's good, right? Asking him to, like, Jesus, stay with me. And he stayed there two days. And how many more believed because of his word? They said to the woman, okay, this is this is what's really, I think, the bottom line of, of what God has really been speaking recently. This is his desire for all of us. And, and I think we have to stop thinking, oh, like Jesus is speaking to people is only for certain people that are holy and not for me. I just have to go to work and provide for my family or I have to take care of the kids and make sure there's dinner on the table. Like, oh, Jesus is so fierce. He's like, I want your heart. But they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. That's, that's it. God desires from each of us that it will not no longer be because of what other people said, but we heard and we experienced for ourselves who Christ is. So how do we open ourselves to experience? It's not some kind of like, oh, this emotional thing that it's like, that sounds so Protestant, you know. That's like, it's like, stop that categorization God wants your heart okay he wants your heart he wants to speak to you he desires to speak to you there's not one person who hears this who is excluded from God searching out and desiring your heart and anytime we say oh God speaks to that person like that is the lie that needs to be put to rest because God is immensely interested in your day, in your heart, in your struggles, in your sorrows, in your joys, and he desires to stay with you. And if you use that as an excuse, like, oh, he doesn't come to me, to not engage with him, you hurt him because he is pursuing you. He is pursuing you with passion. So if in this season, you are feeling stirred in a way even into painful areas that you don't want to be in consider it an invitation of jesus christ to come to you and be with you in those places and let him stay with you let him touch those places in your heart let him 
Build the foundation of the church and your heart. So it is no longer what other people said, but you yourself know, I know who Jesus is because he stayed with me. He came to me. He received my heart. This was the lie that like Jesus only speaks to a few and the rest, you know, we just have like we're under like the, the crumbs under the table, you know, that was like one of the fundamental lies that was meant to be destroyed in the Second Vatican Council. And it's time. It's time for it to go. And I, I feel so strongly that God's fierceness of how that lie has kept so many from experiencing how much he loves them individually. And this is not against, you know, liturgical worship. In fact, it is the enlivening of liturgical worship. When we stand, when each person at St. Vincent de Paul or this church or that church stands in the pew knowing God in their heart, how powerful that worship will be. Instead of going to Mass, because, you know, if we don't go to Mass on Sunday, it's a sin and I want to be a good man and I don't want to, you know, fail God. So if we continue to have that kind of relationship with God, it's not going to last through the things to come. God wants your heart. Do you want his? What do you want? It's time for us to stand honestly and ask ourselves, do I want Jesus? Do I want his heart? Do I want to hear from him? And to stand in the truth of our relationship with him. And I think as we do that, we will see the church rise and it will, it will never fall. Too long have we put the burden of our faith on others when Christ is waiting at our door. It only seems appropriate today to end this episode with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, here is my heart. And I, I give it to you. I give you permission to enter into every place in my heart. And even those places I might even be hiding from myself. Places that I have not been free to look at on my own. Places that I'm afraid to go. I entrust you with my heart. And I trust that you do not bring harm. That you do not destroy. That you only take away what is not true. And what, what is not of you. Let my heart be fully alive in you. I thank you that you are so reverent that you never walk into places that you're not invited. I invite you, I invite you to have access 
to my heart. And to even teach me how to pray, to teach me how to be in a relationship with you. Help me with the fear that if I let you speak to me, you're going to ask me something that I cannot do. And if I let you in, you're going to take away all that's good in my life. I just want to be yours. And so even if I'm afraid, I say to you, you have permission. You have permission to create in me a clean heart and renew in me a spirit. I pray, Lord, that that there might be no place in me that's closed from you. And even I don't even have the ability or the strength to, um, to do that on my own. But I give you permission to do what you need to do. Because I want you. I want you. I want to live my life for you. I want to live a faith that's alive. I want to live a faith that doesn't just depend on your church, but that strengthens your church because I can sing your praises because I know who you are. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm-hmm.